Welcome to the Connected Insurance Podcast, presented by Agency Revolution. Listen to interviews with the most influential people in the insurance industry. Learn the most important strategies, tactics, trends, and challenges facing today's independent insurance agents and brokers. New episodes every Wednesday. Visit agencyrevolution.com and click media to explore the Connected Insurance family of resources for insurance agents and brokers. Subscribe today and get updates delivered right to your inbox. And now, without further delay, the Connected Insurance Podcast. Hello, this is Michael Jans, co-founder of Agency Revolution, and today, happy to be your podcast host for the Connected Insurance Podcast, presented by Agency Revolution, creators of Fuse, the insurance marketing software that skyrockets retention, boosts policy per customer, and makes your clients love your agency. What else could you want <laughs> without you having to hire more staff, programmers, or technologists? If you haven't done this lately, let me encourage you, when you're in front of your computer, visit agencyrevolution.com and request a demo of the software that, number one, is national award winning. Number two, gets rave reviews from customers and agents throughout North America. That said, delighted to invite you to this conversation with my guest, Madeline Flanagan, um, this is a this is a terrific conversation. There are not a lot of people that have really uh, dedicated their career, the last twenty five years of it, to examining, observing, analyzing, assessing, discerning the independent agency system with a with a real focus as a uh, as a researcher, as an analyst. Um, on uh, not on the carrier force, but really the major focus on what it is to be an independent insurance agent, what it is to succeed as an independent insurance agent. So I'm thrilled to um, uh, invite you to this podcast with Madeline Flanagan. Um, Madeline um, pretty much lays it on the table here. Uh, she is an advocate. There's no question about that. Kind of like me, she's an advocate of the independent agent and the independent agency system. Uh, but she's quite well aware of the forces and trends that are impacting the system. She's quite well aware of how some of those forces and trends can function as a threat to those who are not vigilant and adaptable. So she lays it on the line. She shares her insights and observations about um, what it is to be successful. And now we do have, this is a timely conversation because we, we don't ignore the fact that we are somewhere in the deep midst of a very serious pandemic. And we don't ignore the fact that this is an issue that affects industry and it affects our industry. So um, not much further ado, just a little bit of a do's that I usually encourage. Ne again, next time you're in front of your computer, Boom, thinks, hey, let's connect with Michael Jens on LinkedIn, if you haven't done it already, and let's follow that guy on Twitter. Um, if you follow me, uh, you will discover we've released and updated a new copy of the 40% Growth Book, which really is an, um, an expository on the um, steps, the principles, and the how-tos of content marketing for independent insurance agents. So uh, go ahead, connect with me uh, if you need a copy of it and uh, yeah, yeah, somehow can't seem to find it, um, what the heck, email me at michael at michaeljans.com 
and my assistant will make sure you get a copy of that. And she'll also probably put you on my email subscription list. <laughs> so uh, also very seriously want to remind you, please follow Agency Revolution on LinkedIn because announcements get made there and content gets distributed there that you may not uh, see anywhere else. So uh, now without further ado, it is my great privilege to introduce you to this conversation with my colleague and friend, Madeline Flanagan, the vice president of agent development at the IIABA, or what you might um, sometimes call the Big Eye National. Um, and uh, yes, she's vice president of a lot, agent development, education, and research. Enjoy the conversation. Madeline Flanagan, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you? Good. How about yourself? Well, I'm doing fine. Thank you. And I'm, uh, you know, first of all, um, thanks. Uh, you're very generous. I know how busy you are and I know how much you've got on your plate. So you're generous uh, sharing your time with us today. And um, uh, it, well, I'm excited about this conversation because uh, honestly, uh, I don't know of anybody in the industry who pays more attention uh, or does better research on the independent insurance agency system than you do. So thank you for that. Well, thank you. Um, and so <laughs> we've got a we do, we do have a lot to talk about because yeah. there's so much happening in the industry today. Uh, for those who uh, who perhaps don't know you uh, or don't don't know about some of your work, if you would uh, take us take a moment and and perhaps tell us how you got to um, how you got to be where you are oh. right now. Well, that's a long story. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I started. Uh, sort of right out of community college. I started working for an independent insurance agency in Warrington, Virginia, and I, I worked there. I went to work on a Friday. The lady who was gonna trade me went on vacation and she never came back. So I sort of, ah. I sort of had, you know, learned my, uh, my, my feet to the fire. And I, so I started there and I moved on to a Northern Virginia agency that eventually got sold to a bank. Mm -hmm. uh, so at that point, I retired for a short time. I became a mom. I helped my husband start his business. He unfortunately passed away. So uh -huh. I yeah. joined the association 25 years ago next month. Um, and I worked in primarily technical affairs and I had a lot of policy knowledge about, you know, what do the policies say and can I help agents better understand it and better communicate it to their clients? So that's where I started 25 years ago. And then now I sort of head up all the agent development areas of the big eye, uh, our agents council for technology, our invest program, our best practices program, our young agents, our virtual university, our education programs, our research, our new big eye hiring program, and then our diversity program. So oh I, my, have for goodness of, sakes. Okay. I have a you, lot of things. I have a lot of things. Well, <laughs> I was trying to take notes and I couldn't keep up with how, how many I'm things sorry. I did. I didn't realize you had that many responsibilities. Yeah. Okay. All, yeah. Those departments all report to me, but uh, it's, it's great because we really find ways to collaborate together because all those things fit together for yeah. in, in our business. So, right. okay. So bring, does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and so the part that uh, most fascinates me um, for this conversation or for our listeners is uh, your research and your observations about um, how the industry is doing, how the uh, agency sector is doing, how you feel uh, and what you observe about how the agency sector is responding 
to uh, to current conditions with the pandemic and other trends and forces, um, you know, and and you've always got a very real world orientation on this. So, you know, in in this podcast series, I've had the privilege of interviewing a, a lot of the advisory firms who have a lot of knowledge about the industry, but they don't pay nearly as much attention to the uh, agency sector as uh, well as, for example, as you do. So that's why I'm excited about this conversation. So let's let's start with the big picture, Madeline, if you would. Um, indeed, there is the pandemic and we'll drill down on that in a bit. But uh, what do you see as the, oh, I guess, the biggest, most powerful trends and forces that are affecting um, and will be affecting um, the operation and the success of agencies today? You mean as we go through the pandemic? Uh, well, uh, well. <laughs> I, I mean, they're, they're, I, I, that's where we are now. I mean, I guess yeah, that's where we are. We're certainly it, in the pandemic, and then, of course, you know, they're it, we, we're like woven in the midst of that. Um, you know, investments in insurtech really don't seem to have slowed down, um, and of course, you know, m- millennials aren't getting any less powerful as a buying um, uh, demographic, and so yeah, I, I guess you know, big picture is. What do you see happening? What do people need to pay attention to? Um, I, I think that one of the things they really need to pay attention to is continuing to be a trusted advisor. I think we cannot let this InsurTech takeover diminish the value of an independent agent. I mean, I have a 25-year-old son who just bought his first house. Right. He 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 really went to an independent agent. Now he knew to do that okay. but because of what I do, but, but a lot of his a little friends accountability. Well, right, yeah. right. But, but a lot of his friends are also, you know, buying their first cars, buying their first houses, getting married. And, you know, he's very interested in this business. So he really talks to his friends about, you know, going to an agent, getting that professional advice. So I think that we need to keep our eye on that. We're an important piece. We have to communicate our value continue uh-huh. to educate our prospects and clients. And, and I think we'll, that's how we're going to stay successful in this. Um, I hope that makes sense because that's well, what it, I see. It, does, it certainly does to me as a marketer. And so I, I want to, um, I'll give my interpretation. So it, uh, education um, it can happen at a lot of levels. I mean, certainly I suppose the trade association has some uh, initiatives and responsibility to educate on behalf of its members. But then at the kind of at the real world level, uh, agency by agency, each agency has some obligation to educate um, its own marketplace um, a- as a way to be in business, as a way to um, deliver the value or communicate the value and to justify its uh, its uh, service to that community. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So, but but yeah. consider the misunderstandings that, that our industry had at the beginning of COVID. How many agents had not adequately explained that business interruption insurance would not come into play in a pandemic? Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Where do you know? I mean, <laughs> how much yeah. time you got? How big is that list? Yeah, right, right. But you understand what I'm saying? I mean, I think if, if you know your marketplace and know your client base and you keep them educated and informed about things that they should know or should see coming, that's going to be a huge advantage for an independent agent. And I know right. as a marketer, you understand that. But uh, but I do think, I think that we, we maybe became a little complacent, uh, you know, we uh-huh. talk about, you know, people getting ready to retire. The average independent agency owner is 56 years old and a white guy. And uh, <laughs> so we, we need to yeah. sort of evolve. And, and But I, I see that I be, I'm beginning to see that happening. Um, 
our diversity program has truly identified that there are a lot of minority owned agencies out there today and they're and they're doing great you know great work and great business so we i think we're beginning to sort of change the view of the independent agency system as well of, of what who we are and what communities we serve and mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so, so, so I think you, you. I'm going to read between the lines here that the call for, um, oh, if not aggressive, at least uh, strategic education of the marketplace, uh, that 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 call is coming from some concern, right? So, another, I think maybe you're recognizing that there are legitimate threats to the independent agency system to some extent. And, and we can't ignore them. I agree. We cannot ignore them, at, but we can find ways to work around them or through them. And that's Indeed. what I think, right. that, that's okay. what we need to be work doing. And uh, I mean, there, there's always going to be, I mean, we talked about this earlier, you know, Y2K was a threat, right? We were going to, we were going to lose all of our business. The banks, when they took over, they were, that was going to be the end of us. Uh, just like when the internet, right? We were going yeah, to travel agents. Right, you know, we're going to go. We were going to just be just like the travel agents. We were disintermediated, right? Mm -hmm. None of that has really happened. Now we have contracted in numbers, but market share wise, we haven't lost that market share. Talk, so talk we, to us a little bit about that. Um, well, about because um, you've got a sort of a long perspective. What has happened with market share? Let's say in this century. I have to go back and look at all my charts. Okay, but I will, I'm putting but, you on the spot on that. That's, but it, that's it, fine. <laughs> but you know, the independent agency channel has maintained between 85 and 100% of the commercial lines market during the whole time that you're talking about this. They have maintained that, especially in the workers' yeah. comp, in the general liability, multi-parallel policies. That's where the independent agent has kept their market share. Now, where we do see the market share coming and going is personal auto homeowners. We, we keep about a 35 to 36% market share in those areas, uh, back and forth between the directs and the mm -hmm. exclusives. Uh, now that Nationwide has come over to the right side, uh, we'll, probably see that, <laughs> <laughs> we'll probably see that market share change a little bit. Uh, but I, I mean, I think it's consistently been, regardless of our numbers, we've maintained our market share fairly consistently throughout, I'd say, the last 25 to 30 years. Okay. And so now I'm going to presume that prior to that, the market share was larger and that there was some reduction. But it it seems, I'll, I'll, I don't know if this is a hypothesis, but it's certainly a question worth testing, that uh, that when we look at the, uh, the marketplace in general, uh, there are those customers who probably are perhaps uh, better suited for the direct channel, or maybe those customers who may be better suited for uh, the emerging digital channel. But there are customers who are best suited for the independent agency channel. And and maybe at least right now, that number is around 35, 36% of the buying insurance buying population. Does, does that seem to make sense that it's sort of, we, we've, we've figured out what we're really good at. Absolutely. Maybe. Okay. <laughs> I, I absolutely agree. I think I don't want to be complacent about it. I'm, <laughs> no, no, yeah, no. but 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 we well, know we're good with commercial insurance. We know we're very that we good. can yeah. provide the best advice. We can you know provide the best coverages. The carriers that we represent tend to provide the best services for those uh, businesses. But the other thing that I've been taking a look at recently is the surge in home buying. I don't know about where you are, but here 
if a house goes on a market, it's it's sold and yeah, no matter indeed. in a heartbeat. Yeah, there there are part yeah, and um, I, so my presumption on that is millennials are buying. Now they're 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 maturing and their needs are maturing and their values are maturing and so they're buying stuff, right? They're, bu and, they're buying and, stuff, yes. <laughs> and and, um, and and you know I think this this perhaps re it remains to be seen. Um, I'd be curious to know maybe what what do our friends over at JD Power have to say about this one? Um, but uh, as they now buy things and they have assets and they have responsibilities and they got, you know, 2.1 kids at home or something like that, uh, will they be seeking, as, as you'd mentioned earlier, the advice of a professional or do they have such um, comfort um, and habitual usage of, uh, of applications and technologies that allow them to, they're kind of used to managing their own financial, uh, you know, navigating through their own financial world. Will they lean towards um, a, a digital or a direct channel? I, here's, here's my own view of it. And I, and it's, it's played out in my whole family. I think we're a generation, my generation and a little bit younger, our children have, we're helicopter parents, right? Yeah. My, my, my mother would no more have told me where to buy insurance than the man in the moon. <laughs> right. But, but, but our children are coming to us that we have helicoptered and they're looking to us for advice. We've helped them get through their, you know, we've over uh, trophied them in their sports. We've done all those things. So right. they're more reliant upon their parents. And I think their parents are probably telling them you, you don't necessarily want to buy your insurance online. You might want to find somebody online, but you want to talk to somebody and get some professional advice. I that's what I see happening, and I've seen it, you know, you know bear out with my whole family. Mm -hmm. And I've got six sisters and lots of children. And, ah, okay. <laughs> and, 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 and not just because I'm in that business, but I do see that you know, people are seeking out advice because, you know, clicking all those buttons online, you could make a big mistake. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Right. Right. Well, no, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, um, there's at least some percent of that of uh, some percentage of that population is recognizing that this isn't like depositing a check, which I can do, you know, out here in the desert, you know, without right. driving into town. Um, this is a, it's a little more complicated than that. There's there's uh, a lot at risk. There's a lot, uh, you know, there, there's a, there are a lot of mistakes that can be made. Right. With with constant. So we'll yeah, we'll certainly see. So I, I think I think I'm 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 gonna I'm going going to circle this back. You tell me if um uh, if I'm interpreting you right properly. That uh, you're fairly bullish on the channel and you're pretty optimistic about it. But I think you're also saying we can't afford to be complacent. We have to be vigilant and we have to execute on certain strategies that are going to be effective now, like um, consumer education. Does that Correct. make sense? Am I, am I reading perfect. Madeline right here? Okay. You, you got me completely. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> got, got, gotcha. Well, I'll, I, uh, I, I'm... Well, I'm also pretty bullish about it, but I, I really do stress the second part of it. Um, the absence of vigilance will uh, it will hurt a lot of agencies. We've seen consolidation before, and we're continuing to see it. And so, yeah, I, I think the I think the listeners of this podcast know my my perspective on this. This, if ever there were a time to be vigilant, and if ever there were a time to be strategic, and to execute on strategy, now is that time. 
That's right. that's okay. So anyway, you're not interviewing me. I'm interviewing. <laughs> but, but I just, I, and I'm thinking about all those kinds of strategies that will make a, you know, if I'm sitting at my desk today, I'm an independent agency owner. What kind, what are my going to be my winning strategies? What do I need to be doing to make sure I'm communicating with, with, with my clients, my prospects? So what are some of the things that I need to be doing? Right. That I haven't been doing. So, (laughs) well, so let's, let's talk about um, like right now. So this is a, uh, well, I'm sure that a year ago when you were kind of thinking about uh, your contributions to the industry in the coming year, you weren't putting a virus on, you know, possible (laughs) like list of stuff you got to deal with. So now uh, we're dealing with obviously very serious situation. Uh, it is different than some other industries. Okay. So, you know, it's, it's, you, you kind of stumbled into this industry. I certainly kind of stumbled into this industry, like about 90% of the of people. We, we could be having a conversation about, you know, you could be with the restaurant association or the dental association. Uh, you know, uh, other, other industries that have been just absolutely uh, hammered. In a lot of ways, this has been a fairly safe haven. Um, you know, if the economy goes down, you know, whatever, five or six or seven percent, um, stuff still needs to be insured, right? People may choose not to go to a restaurant. They may choose to delay that uh, dental cleaning, but they still have to insure the home they own, the car they own, the business they operate, and so on and so forth. So um, in, in some ways, uh, you know, I know a lot of agents won't feel this way, but this is a much safer haven than a, a lot of other industries that they could be in. And yet we see that in this pandemic, it does seem that some are thriving. I mean, I, I've got clients who are really doing quite well. And then we can also recognize, and you and I chatted about this a little bit earlier, that some are in trouble. What do you think is the difference and, and what do agents need to do now? I, I think the difference is there are a lot of folks that they worked for their business, but not in their business. And they did not, you know, yeah. they didn't make the, they didn't invest that profit. I mean, insurance agencies are sort of a cash cow for some, let's be honest. They really yeah. can be. Yeah. But I think a lot of agencies were using that toward you know, owner compensation and things and things they were not reinvesting it or keeping some cash on hand for something like what's happened now. I mean, so if you are not able to make your payroll after two weeks, you've got some problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if your clients aren't paying and you can't make your payroll, that type, if you, you know, your new business is down, that I saw that as being a big problem. Those are the agencies that are in trouble. But the agencies that, that had their accounts receivable in check, they had a good cash reserve. They were able to pivot to that remote work very quickly. Ah, they had, yeah. Uh-huh. So those are the ones that I think that you're seeing and I'm seeing that are being very, that are successful. They're, they're staying on track with during this time. And um, they've met, mm-hmm. go ahead. Well, I'm, uh, I'm, what I'm curious about is, um, you know, uh, so those are a few things like uh, they were well-run businesses and they were managing their cash and they probably had some reserve and they were probably thinking they'd never need to touch it, but here we are. Uh, and, and of course, they had to maintain um, some um, uh, elegance of operations. And so, boom, you know, everybody got sent home, and some some were able to to make that transition. 
to remote fairly easily without a lot of, uh, you know, wailing and gnashing of teeth. What, what do you think the difference was at the leadership level? Um, well, first of all, I think it's a, there were a lot of agency owners that just weren't willing to go to that model. They just thought, if I can't keep my eyes on my staff, <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I mean, I'm being honest with you. I, I do an HR hour every week and talking about, and I have my jerk of the week. And I had one agency that had all 24 of its employees stay on Zoom all day long. Oh, my God. So I'm just telling you. So, yeah, so it's... All it's right. the inability well, to adapt and, you know, but also people didn't have the, you know, I ha I've yeah. been working on a COVID relief fund. I've been able to see what agencies have invested in to sort of keep, keep their uh, businesses going. Yeah. And so, because they've submitted their receipts and, and things like that. Some agencies were so creative. They, one guy went out and found a group of laptops that he could buy for like $300 a piece. He bought them all. He got, he got them set up. He bought everybody an air card. He was in the middle of nowhere. He was able to pivot. He understood the need to pivot. Mm -hmm. He did not want to right. put his employees in harm's way. Uh, so I think adaptability, number one, you got to be able to look at what, what does this mean for me? What does it mean for my employees? Because if your employees aren't happy, you know, it's not right. going to, you know, you're not going to be yeah. happy. Well, if, if uh, that, uh, your jerk of the week, if he, uh, uh, who has 24 <laughs> employees on Zoom all day long, if he's a listener to this podcast, Cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> we told him that. Yeah. Okay. Like, can, can you imagine trying to work and people just popping up and say, hey, how are you doing? Yeah. No, that. Well, okay. Obviously, that's a fundamental leadership issue, and you're yeah. not going to solve it by putting everybody on Zoom all day long. <laughs> but, but, but let's get back on track. So I, I think that the inability to adapt, the not, not having the resources to be able to pivot quickly, to not understand the need to keep your employees safe. Um, and that people and not understanding your employees' mental health, that they don't want to come to work um, and be right. exposed. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's okay. That well, made the difference with some people because I saw some people that did a wonderful job with it. And some people like, well, Susie's got to be here every day. Okay. All right. <laughs> no, look, I'll, I'll be empathetic because I, I remember it was like, you know, about 10 years ago or so when my. Um, uh, oh, my lieutenant in the marketing department uh, announced that he had to uh, he had to, he had to leave. Uh, his wife was pregnant and really wanted to go back to Washington State. And I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, this is terrible. I've invested a year and a half into training this person. And, uh, and you know, it's a very difficult position to fill. And and my at that point, my president said, well, why don't you let him go remote? And I was like, you know, grumble, grumble, grumble. Uh, and then it was like, okay, let's give it a try. Um, and it, it, um, we didn't do it with 10 people at once or 24 people at once, uh, you know, but we did it with one person learned well, and then boom, sooner or later, the entire company was all over the globe. Um, so I'm, I'm empathetic, but um, <laughs> it's not like, a, <laughs> um, it, it's interesting that it kind of brings to the surface um, other critical issues like, you know, the need to watch somebody work in their cubicle as if that were management. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'll get off that soapbox. I, I think. <laughs> but, but think, but think about what you just said about people, agencies today that can realize that they can have a remote workforce. Think about how that opens up a whole other world of potential employees to them. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, have- goodness, talent. Yes, it, yeah. it, it, it changes the entire talent uh, pool. You, you, I mean, we, we were, you know, I started Agency Revolution in Central Oregon, you know, in a smallish to medium town of, you know, 90,000 people in Central Oregon out in the middle of nowhere, right? And so um, you kind of burn through the talent pool fairly quickly uh, if it's local. And boom, when we decided strategically to say, hey, let's, you know, let's really go remote and see what happens here. All of a sudden we're getting like first class uh, uh, candidates for any position that you want because they're all over the world. Right. Um, With our hiring program, I really am talking to people about that. You need to open your eyes. There are people without insurance experience, but they're but they're all over the country and they have other experience that could be very valuable to you and your agency. Yeah. Okay, so you said something, Madeline, that, um, well, it intrigues me, and and I agree with like a thousand percent. Um, You use the word adaptability, and I think that we can recognize that in times of great change, in times of turbulence, uh, adaptability is... um, uh, it, well, it's actually, it's a core part of strategy itself. If you can't act fast when the world is acting fast, then you're going to fall behind. Um, right. And I think to some extent we could say, because, you know, the things were different. You know, if we go back to the 90s, right? Um, oh, the pressure to be adaptable was a little, it was certainly, I think, m- much less significant than it is now, where there was more of a, more of an interest in, in, um, Oh, designing and executing on good business systems, but overall things were, you know, relatively stable compared to where they are now. But now speed, you know, when, when the world changes fast, speed is a critical part of strategy. And this is an industry that perhaps doesn't have a great reputation for speed. What do you, how do you think agencies, how should they respond to that? How do they learn to execute faster to be uh, lighter on their feet? Well, that's a good question, and I'm not sure I really know the okay. answer. Because, <laughs> because, but but, but I, I do think that this will help a lot of them understand that I need to learn this. I need to got, understand right. this. Okay. Right. And I'm going to look at my agency management system, um, you know, NetView or uh-huh. Applied. Um, uh-huh. And I'm going to look to them to give me the help that I need to understand how to do this and to be ready. I'm going to get my phone systems ready. I was so surprised to see how many people did not have a phone system that could actually be forwarded right. to another cell phone or that type of thing, or they, d- they didn't have the ability to be in the cloud in, in any way, shape or form, or did not know what a VPN was. Um, so right. I think, I think this is going to help a lot. I, I think it opens a growth opportunity too, for people to be able to, Hey, this is a group of people that need uh, to know how this works. You need to be able to teach them how these things work. And so if this happens again, or we keep doing this for the rest of our lives, <laughs> that they can keep right. operating their businesses. Well, let's talk about, let's talk about that. Let's, you know, so now, you know, we've had this, the huge impact of the virus and it's had real world, uh, every single day consequences on agencies all over the, all over North America, all over the world. Um and, um, and, you know, I, I, indeed, I, well, I think that probably there's a diminishing sense that, gosh, I can't wait till things go back to normal, right? Uh, as if normal were what we wanted to be exactly like it was on January 15th of 2020, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think there's uh, perhaps a growing sense now that, no, um, you know, we're not going to go 
kind of back to the way it was uh, when we are through this pandemic, God willing, uh, there will be differences and successful business owners, successful entrepreneurs, successful agency principals will, um, will, will realize that life is different, that the world of work is different, that the world of running an agency is different. What do you, so <laughs> I, think, I think it's going to be different. I think the pandemic has accelerated some trends like remote. So, so when you look um, to the future, you know, whatever post-COVID is, let's say it's a couple of years or what have you, what do you think is like our critical, critical parts of the skill set that uh, leadership, agency leadership needs to have that's different than before? Well, I think they have to be more trusting of their employees. And but I think yeah, they have okay. to be open to understanding that um, a physical location is not really necessary. If you can provide your staff with the tools and resources that they need to serve, service your clients, to sell new business, if you can provide them with those tools and provide them with the training they need for those tools, and then be able to sort of measure, you know, find the metrics of those tools. Are they working? Are they working for you? I think those people will be successful. Uh, I mean, how many agencies do you think probably haven't mastered video conferencing yet? But they, I think we're going to have to in the future because right. there's not going to be everyone that's going to want to come to your office anymore. And you might not have a full-time staff in your office. You might have realized that remote work is working for you. Mm -hmm. So these are some things that, you, you know, think about being able to, to quickly get in touch with a client face to face. I know people got Zoom, whatever you call it, <laughs> but right. but be able to do your business in a way that you're still touching your client, you're providing, but you uh, you need to, have to yeah. master those things and feel comfortable with them. I think that those things are important to be able to to as we go forward with this, and I think you know to be able to understand that things will never maybe ever be the same. I mean, many agencies have put up plastic shields. They've had to put up all kinds of things to keep the public out. Yeah. I think that's going to change the way everybody does business. So again, adaptability. You're, Adapt. uh, you're probably seeing, I, I'm seeing some, uh, I'm curious, you know, from your perspective, seeing some agencies who are uh, either have decided or are seriously considering uh, being a remote business in the future. Yeah, you know, we've seen at least uh, the last little survey we did of the big eye leadership, about 30% of them were considering it, let, letting at least most of their staff continue to be remote. Uh, the ones that weren't were the ones that were still collecting checks at the door type of yeah, thing. Yeah, uh, okay. But, 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 yeah, let's be honest. That's, that's serving a community that wants to be serviced that way for now. Indeed, right. And okay. I, I have to look at it that way. Let's, um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but I do I do think that the you know yeah they, okay I think we look. will see this and I think but think about all the other things that that means it means how much are you saving on travel how much are you saving on you know, entertainment if if I can video conference you as my client have a great conversation with you. I don't really have to take you out to lunch, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, it, 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 um, I think we'll all recognize that there's a certain intimacy that can only happen, you know, when like you know two bodies are in the same room, right? Um, it's just uh, you know kind of the nature of the human species. Uh, but that being said, um, you know, for goodness sakes, I'm a pretty good example. I'm I'm as remote as anybody in the industry. Uh, you know, living out here on the edge of the desert um, and and then throw the pandemic on top of it. 
And so I'm not seeing anybody, right? Nobody's coming to the Casita for mastermind meetings. Nobody's coming to the Casita for, you know, like a full day consulting session. All the stuff that I did, you know, in the, in the two years prior to, uh, you know, when I lived here prior to the pandemic. And yet um, my ability to create, um, you know, I think really solid relationships and to do it really fairly quickly, which is an advantage of this kind of communication mm-hmm. is in many ways, it's really unparalleled in my career. Um, you know, that I can be, I mean, some people, somebody called me the most connected person in the industry. I really don't think that that's true as introverted as I am, but, uh, I do talk, I mean, I have conversation, in-depth conversations like this, like every single week, at least once a week. And I talk to a lot of other people on Zoom during the course of the week. And so as remote as I am, it's, it's uh, you know, one is capable of really having um, um, very meaningful relationships. And so I think I'm thinking, curious what your thought is, that, for example, a commercial lines producer may recognize that, okay, I'm, I'm losing some intimacy in some of the conversations. I'm not playing golf with so-and-so, but, uh, but I'm having three or four conversations to one. So my capacity to, uh, you know, to kind of expand the number of conversations that are in my pipeline is much higher than it was before because I'm not wasting any time. And I always feel like that having, you know, an agent, an agent having the technology at his hand to be able to sort of talk to a prospective client and provide them some visuals, you know, by sharing screens and that type of thing, that can be very impactful. Um, for, yeah. you know, if you have your presentation ready to show and you can talk through it and, and you have all the facts and figures, you don't, you're not shuffling through your paperwork, you know, it's like, I right. think it could be very impactful and people can, you know, they'll sit and listen. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. No more than 15 minutes is what I say. But. Yeah. <laughs> All righty. Um, okay. So, yeah, so, so when you look um, back to the question, when you look to the future, uh, I, I think you've said adaptability really matters, uh, but you also mentioned a number of technologies, right? Whether it's video conferencing or touching your customers in a meaningful way. So um, it, it, I, I think that we'd probably agree, Madeline, that technology is part of the job now, right? Um, right. I mean, it, I had my, when we moved here, we had the home remodeled and there were like, you know, half a dozen people here for, I don't know how many months. Um, and, and they were using tools that, uh, you know, I thought were really co- per- pretty cool, right? Really sophisticated. And, and I recognized that, uh, you know, cause they did some, so they did some pretty cool stuff. And I re- realized that, um, yeah, that's part of their job. You know, they can't show up with a, you know, a handsaw and a hammer and say, Hey, I'm going to remodel your house. Part of their job is to be aware of what the most uh, effective power tools are and to apply them, uh, on the job. And, and when they do that, a couple of things happen. One, it's a way faster and two, the end product is way better in most cases if it's properly used. And so, uh, I think now, way more than it was five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, maybe even more than it was three years ago. Um, Understanding technology, being willing to embrace it, to assess it, to discern about it, to purchase it appropriately, to train in it, to monitor its use. That's part of the job now. Is it? 
That, that's do you agree with right. that? Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> right. And Got that it. skill sets of things you need to be looking for when you're hire, when doing new hires. But but also, you know, I, again, I'll come back to the association. We provide a lot of those kinds of tools for our members. Yeah. I mean, we can assess your website and and tell you how to get a better, you know, uh -huh. here, here's some programs that you can get a better website and here that will help you build one that's more agency specific. Here's what you should be doing with Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. And here's all the things that we can use to help you master those things. Find somebody in your agency, you know, that wants to help you with those things. I see some agencies on Facebook and, and I try to follow as many agencies as I can just to see what's going on out there. And they do some amazing things. And as we get back yeah. to that, educate your clients and prospects, they're putting out a lot of good information through those social channels, not costing a lot of money, but they're being able to tell people, hey, I'm a, I specialize in this. I do mm -hmm. this. I can help you with this. You know, hit me up on Instagram. Hit me up on Twitter. Right, right. And yep. I, I just think that those things are so important and, and learning and, and embracing them and not going, you know, I don't want that. I've heard people say awful kinds of ugly things about Twitter. But Twitter is, you know, it can provide some great information. There's some interesting conversations on Twitter, and there are a few in our industry, not as many as, you know, if, uh, uh, um, you know my technology side sees a lot more interesting stuff uh, than the insurance side, uh, but it's growing. And, and I think, um, well, that's, you know. <laughs> we're not well let's not go down the social media rat, rabbit hole here. <laughs> yeah that, that's that's a one-hour conversation and, a, and at least an eight-hour workshop but um yeah, yeah there's a lot there is a lot i'm um and and i and as i have done a number of times before i really encourage agents to participate in the conversations on linkedin because i think uh at least so far it's maintaining a dignity um, and a value to business that's um, that's difficult to find in some of the other platforms. So anyway, um, so Madeline, I have one one other question for you, um, and this goes back to something you said when I asked you to introduce yourself. You're you're involved in like you know twenty three different things there at the Big Eye. Um, if you would take a moment and tell us what like what are some of the initiatives that you're engaged in right now that you're most excited about. Well, actually, the Big Eye uh, usually has a fall leadership conference. We used, we had it every year since I've been there. Uh, so for the first time in 25 years, we won't be meeting in person. We're having a virtual meeting next week uh, with with our education directors from across the country, with our uh -huh. our young agents. Okay. All the, uh, the this is our uh, Young Agents Leadership Institute, where we bring together some speakers and things to help young agents succeed in 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 their business, right. as well as our Agents Council for Technology will be meeting, uh, and they have some some speakers and panels that they'll be putting forth. So we've put together our first, it starts on Monday with a diversity discussion. Uh, and we continue through Thursday with different speakers throughout the day. It's called the let's conference. Let's let uh -huh. leadership education. Let, let's do this, you know, uh -huh. leadership, okay. education, let's. technologies. Uh -huh. let's. Okay. So, and but, the, but, and the, the act conference, is that uh, embedded within it or is that a separate event? In, is it, it, we decided to embed it to give people all the registration that, registrants the opportunity to listen to young agents talks uh -huh. as well as acts talks everybody has the same you know we're all interested in all these things perpetuation is right. the part of young agents but we're all interested in that from an education standpoint so yeah we're going to join everything together over three days we have the nerdy best friend who's going to give us some tips on all the best apps that agents should be using oh nice okay cool who's that who's delivering that 
her name that's what that's her name is the nerdy best friend nerdy best friend okay <laughs> i like that all right but uh, but also we we have a new online learning platform that we partnered with Ermion's called Exceed, and it's a gamification program to help agents learn technology, um, technical not technology, technical insurance knowledge. So uh -huh. you can walk through every aspect of uh. a personal auto policy, a homeowner's policy, but you you go through it in um, sort of like playing a game. And as you get through this level, you go to the next level and the next level and the next level. Yeah. And you, uh. you get badges and things like that. So it's it's a pretty fun new way to learn, especially for a new hire to learn coverages. It's uh -huh. called Exceed. 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 Okay. Yes. And, but, and yeah. how can people, well, we'll get to this. I'm, at, at the end, I'm going to ask how people can yeah. learn about yeah. all of this stuff. Okay. Right. With our Invest program, we're starting a national uh, apprenticeship program to bring apprentices into the independent agency system. Uh, oh, my goodness. Community yeah. colleges, yes. From community colleges, okay. Yes. And so we worked with the uh, the, uh, the Department of Labor to, to, to sort of create a national model of uh, for apprentices uh, to sort of take a look at what, what, what kind of uh, goals do they need to have, what, what needs to be accomplished for them to be an apprentice. And so we're doing that. And then, and the, and there, and there's the other side of the equation, Madeline. That, that, that when they, the agency side, right? When, when somebody who's in community college shows up in an agency, uh, they want, they, they want to see cool tools, right? They, they, they don't want to be thinking, I can't wait to get home where I can get on decent technology. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, yeah, but but I do think that the agents that we will work with that will want to bring an apprentice in will have to meet certain criteria. And well, that's I to, mean, it seems to me that's a yeah, big yeah. it's a big you know because we're talking about a talent attraction problem yeah. that the yeah. industry's had for a long time, and now uh, I I I don't know if it's better or worse. I can't imagine that uh, attracting talent like we've cracked the code on it, but certainly it's I I argue fairly openly that that one of the inhibitors of getting getting great talent is not having great technology because that's a that's a standard today absolutely I, people and I, are I on think people are you, on you, yeah i'm interrupting you <laughs> okay if you, if you if you don't embrace mobile technology within right. your agency if you're not using any of those things you're not going to hire the newest young producer that what you know for your agency that's just you, not going to work out for you you. <laughs> you you will drive them crazy because because people are are used to being on some some pretty killer technologies whenever they want to be right it's a pretty amazing what they do and that and then it's so to come into a business environment and discover that it's not that way that's a um yeah that's a that's a wet blanket on talent attraction. All righty. So you, you've got a lot going on. Uh, there are a lot of initiatives that are happening at the big eye. Um, and as always, uh, I think the, you know, the, the work that the association does is it's so important. Um, so if, uh, if one of our listeners, uh, Madeline wants to learn more about what you're up to, uh, about some of the initiatives that you've mentioned that the big eye is up to, how do you suggest that they do that? Yeah, I get hundreds of emails every day and I'd be happy to talk to everybody. Okay. I'm happy to share my email address. Uh, if that, if that's a great way. Uh, okay. It's, yeah. It's, that'd be... it's Madeline, M-A-D-E-L-Y-N dot Flanagan, F-L-A-N-N-A-G-A-N at iiaba.net. Very good. 
All right. Um, Madeline, is there is there any final message you want to deliver to the leadership of the agency force through this platform? We're going to get through the pandemic. We're going to be as, as successful as we ever were. We're going to keep our market share and wear your mask. Uh, wear your mask. Okay. Very good. <laughs> well, I... Uh... As, as you know, uh, ha having having or being a uh, COVID survivor, I'm an awful big believer in masks. So I'll yeah. echo that one. All righty. Um, uh, Madeline, I've enjoyed this conversation so much. I really, really appreciate it. And hopefully look forward to another one sometime in the future. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Connected Insurance Podcast. If you found this episode informative, please share it with your peers and colleagues. Explore the Connected Insurance family of resources for insurance agents and brokers by visiting agencyrevolution.com and clicking media. Subscribe and get updates delivered right to your inbox. New episodes every Wednesday.